0: Welcome back to the Dole Whip and Dreams podcast. Oh, it seems like only yesterday we were waking up from our eternal slumber for our very first episode on the Haunted Mansion. But here we are, one year later, and you are still listening with me. I can't thank you all enough. So we have a very special episode for you today where we cover a controversial Halloween favorite with the three most fabulous witches that I think have existed. Disney's Hocus Pocus with the amazing Sid the Disnerd from Instagram and TikTok. Now make sure you stay tuned after the show for a very special announcement about season two of Dolopin Dreams coming to you right after this. Do you wake up every morning, roll over, and check your favorite social media feed? only finding that you wish you had never looked at all well inklings is here to lift those doldrums during month of November inklings is a fictional short story podcast that will run daily on weekdays during the month of November from dreamer productions the dope and dreams podcast and isolation cast voices from quarantine let your mind run to its deepest desires in the isolation of imagination. The stories will run two to ten minutes, so take a break for yourself and enjoy Inklings, your daily short story indulgence. You can find Inkling by liking and subscribing to the Dolop and Dreams podcast, as well as IsolationCast, Voices from Quarantine, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh,
1: I wish we had the camera. Ah! I say, it's a pie, up maybe, up and die.
0: Welcome back, Dreamers, to our one-year anniversary. Thank you for hanging on to my bullshit for the last year and listening to me scream about the wokeness of Disney and, you know, the nonsense. You guys have been here this whole time. So I wanted to bring someone that, like, I enjoy the content that she brings to the internet. And I think right now in quarantine, it's all about who brings joy. And Sid's content brings me so much joy. So you all know her on TikTok as Sid the Disney Nerd. Uh, So welcome, Sid, to Up and Dreams
1: excited!
0: I am so excited to have you here as well. So, for anyone who might not follow you on TikTok or Instagram, introduce us to yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: I am a cosplayer, which means that I love to dress up as a bunch of characters, mostly from the Disney universe, and I post videos to TikTok as these characters, and it's just so much fun! And I have such a fun time doing it, and it makes me so happy that people like you enjoy... Me just being a weirdo on the internet. So thank you <laughs> for that. Um. Yeah. Uh, I'm based in Canada. And yeah that's me
0: (laughs) i love that i love that yeah i actually sarah sanderson was the first time that i actually saw you came across my for you page yes it was it was the everyone's doing the really fun like makeup transformation of the audio of the spell at the beginning and it's actually really funny and works out um and so that was the first thing i saw which is why i thought of you for this so Um, Yeah, so you do a lot of Disney. You also do some Gaga and things, too, which I love. Um, And some some Broadway characters. So talk to me about Disney. What is it about that's drawn you to Disney? What is your background with Disney?
1: Yes, I've been a huge fan of Disney ever since I was a wee one. Like, I remember the first film that I remember, like, being glued to my television was with Cinderella. Mm -hmm. I was just... She was my girl through and through. And then ever since then, I've basically just been obsessed. And now I've just gotten the chance to discover so many more amazing characters. And I love like getting to express them through cosplay and what I do. And especially with characters like Sarah, who is mm-hmm. like, one of my new favorites to do. Um, she's just like so much fun. And mm-hmm. yeah, so Disney's been a part of me ever since. And I've, I love going to the parks. I love getting to cosplay. And yeah, it's just a huge part of me.
0: I love that. I love that. I love it. It's always fun to hear everybody's like Disney story of how they came to it. And, you know, a lot of the same, but there's always those little individual things. Um, Also hearing what everybody's like favorite princess or like their first princess was. I also think actually informs a lot about who the person is like all together and how they've they've been shaped. So today we're talking one of my favorites. (laughs) which is Hocus Pocus. And it's that's the thing. It's actually a lot of people's favorites. And I didn't realize until I was doing research, like it's always been the idea of, oh, it's a cult classic. Oh, it's always in the periphery. Um, It was always, uh, girl, why isn't there anywhere to stream Hocus Pocus during Halloween um, every year? Um, And so I was actually shocked jumping in to find out that this movie was panned in the beginning and everyone hated it. And so
1: and I was like researching it and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah and so I'm
1: not sure if it has to do with it being released. I think it was released sometime in the summer. I'm not in sure. In July. If that's what it was. Yeah,
0: it was like in a blockbuster spot, which yeah. is strange. Mm-hmm. Also, like 93 is an interesting time because we're in the middle of like The satanic panic resurgence of the late nine, late eighties, early nineties. So you do like I came from like a staunch Christian background, so this was a no go. Um, And what's funny is my mom looks like Winnie Sanderson, so she was so good. (laughs) It's she's like the character of Paula Dean with the looks of Winnie Sanderson minus the racism. So for Paula Dean, Um, and that's my mom. And so like uh, we'd always have some little kid would go, "You look like the witch from Hocus Pocus." When I was growing up and uh, my mother would just turn beet red. Cause she was She'll like, do like- I, do I look like a witch? I am a God fearing woman. And she is a delightful, <laughs> lovely woman. Um, oh goodness, so love this, that. this movie was a no go for me until I was in my twenties and saw it for the first time. Um, and so, yeah, looking now, this is for everyone who's never looked. It has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Makes my little heart. From, I don't know who these people on Rotten <laughs> Tomatoes are, but
0: it's the critics. So it's 52 critic scores over the last. Oh, uh, this movie's almost been out 30 years, which is another uh, weird thing to think about. Um, oh
1: yeah, absolutely. But,
0: so, but it does have. I'm going to preface this, preface it with it's got a 71 percent fan score. With See, over there
1: we go, it's redeeming
0: itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with with over three hundred eighty thousand uh, fans that have kind of chimed in about that, um, and so that's that one's a little more understanding because um, we just did the episode before this is the Goofy movie, and uh, when Case and I were talking is about it? that, that it was a lot of the same things. Of Disney has this habit, and you you know this is a Disney person. Oh yes, they don't immediately make money and it's not a come and it's not a financial success immediately they consider it a failure and Mm -hmm. now what the company is doing is coming back around to properties that then make a cult classic status that make them a ton of money in the back end so according to wikipedia they make between one and three million dollars every october since 2002 that this movie's been out on dvd a million dollars oh, uh, in DVD Blu-ray sales every DVD year. DVD sales, Disney. That's, that's a thing. So if you think about that in the way of like one to three million since 2002, that's almost 20 years. They've almost made as much in DVD Blu-ray sales as they did in the initial box office from like a four-month run. Oh, um, Absolutely and so it is that thing i don't you know october disney never releases movies in october that's just not their yeah. time frame mm-hmm. there's maybe a january february march movie sometimes Yeah, it's it's usually thing. i
1: want to say around then and then i think like the summertime sometimes november december yep. is like where yep. it's like really yeah, there
0: are those three because you're getting the slump of the winter where there's not a ton of movies so like mm-hmm. this year it was onward it was the movie they have the least stock in for the year of if it does yeah. well it does well if not you know you know, um, and so like Onward, a friend and I talked about, they didn't do anything revolutionary with it, but it was still a great film. I really liked it. Um,
1: oh, I thought it was super cute.
0: Yeah, and I love D&D, so it's anything that's fantasy yes. fun, and that cast is great. But then typically now, you know, the 90s, We uh, this was the year before Jurassic Park, and a lot of people oh. um, attribute Jurassic Park with starting the summer blockbuster, and that idea of having that mm-hmm. musty movie in that June July spot, which is now full of the Marvel movies, and oh, yeah, you know, totally, yeah. it was you know that was when Wonder Woman was supposed to be released this summer, but with uh, Lady Kovadina, nothing got released. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, it's October is an unusual time because they are then ra- uh, ramping up for marketing for that November Thanksgiving Christmas slot. That's always yeah. the Frozen. It's the new Princess movie. Oh, absolutely. And this year we are, you know, that's typically a Marvel movie as well. We'll get a Marvel. well the last couple of years, we got a Marvel, a Disney, and a Star Wars within three yes. weeks of each other. And then they, you know, they make three billion dollars <laughs> in four weekends. Um, yep. and it's whatever. Um yep. that one one hell of a business model. So I think one of the first places that we can pinpoint this being an issue is October for a movie that is specifically about Halloween.
1: Exactly. Um exactly. Now a-
0: a lot of the critics' issues with this are the script, and they're saying that it was a disservice to the lead actresses. And I rewatched this a couple hours ago, like literally two hours ago, and I watched it twice this week because this is that time of year—it's spook time and <laughs> and there's no not so scarier or Halloween horror nights this year, so we've got to do spook at home. But you know, mm-hmm. let's do safety spook this year, so we can have big Halloween's safety- next year. Safety use spook.
1: That now on safety spook. Hash- I love that.
0: I'm, we're gonna hashtag that right now. Safety <laughs> spook. I'm just saying, every, every, there's no reason that every character cannot have a matching mask. Listen, this has been great. Yeah.
1: Okay. Don't get this, me started on this. This needs to be a thing. Disney <sighs> parks take notes.
0: Disney tar- parks take notes because, one, being somebody that's working in parks adjacent right now, mask compliance is a huge issue. And oh, yes. as also as a theater technician, I'm scared when I'm seeing these actresses who are like, playing princesses in a global pandemic which just seems harshly toned deaf and not having a mask on because sometimes yes they're not even within six feet of each other but like last week yeah. at Epcot, i was within six feet of them while i was eating because i was by a trash can because it's food and wine and that's just a thing and like they were in a car and so they weren't near me for more than that but like we were less than four feet away and that just scared Please. me as like a theater human i went I can't. I just. I can't imagine that. So I was like, totally why? Yeah. Why can't Belle have a matching like taffeta oh, glitter mask? Oh, and why can't little, Ariel? Like,
1: roses and stuff. Yes. Be so cute.
0: And I think it would help with mass compliance. And they can mass market and sell them. We all know Disney loves things to mass market and oh, sell. So. Dis-
1: please. Well, they already have a little collection of. It's not much of a variety. Mostly just like
0: little like Mickey faces and yeah. Well, and that. they don't actually fit well either. Like I was literally t- I went to Wawa earlier and I had my Winnie the Pooh one on and my ears stick out like this and it squinches my face oh, and I was no. like, well, and that's why I made like thirty five of my own that are a different shape because I was like, I need park hopping ones. I need ones for everyday life. You know, just oh, being that please. being that just dis- being that Disney person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um. One thing I'm going to start with, I think, for this, because normally we jump into things that we love, but I think talking about why this wasn't a success to become a huge success, because, like, it's become so huge that they built a stage show for Not So Scary every year, which to me We is have
1: the, all the time in the world to talk about this show because it's so I, good.
0: I feel like I could do a two-hour breakdown of the 21-minute, spec- like, stage spectacular oh, of that show.
1: episode.
0: Just the fact that it's one of only... It's the only sh- two shows. There are only two occurrences that happen where there is live singing in the park on, oh, and like and it's one fantastic. of them, is, it's so good. Those three totally. women. Well, the, there's like the small group of women, but there's only like two for each character. They mm-hmm. are phenomenal. Also, oh, to be a musical theater performer and be able to balance your sound mm-hmm. and like doing a bat or belt in the middle of the hub where nothing but noise is bouncing back at oh, you.
1: The power. The power.
0: It is a literal mutation and I bow at their feet because I've also never seen... I've been to Not So Scary three times and I watch the show every night and sometimes it could be two different casts. Um, sorry, Disney, not to give away two of the magic. Too much of the magic. But, like, <laughs> I'll hear two different casts and they're still phenomenal and doing it great. And I was like, okay, I guess this was worth the $90 ticket to Not So Scary. Oh Here we God. go. Or 100%. Or, and I just love <laughs> that the way
1: that, like, it intertwines with all the different villains. Like, you've got Dr. Facilier, you've got Oogie Boogie, you've got yeah. mm-hmm. the entire villain squad just, like, coming up. And it's just, it's so so brilliantly
0: written and oh just everything so much about fun. it i yeah
1: this could be a whole other episode
0: so I, I'm 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 agree whole other. I agree with you i agree i agree with you so much but it's one of those things that like i i don't typically buy a lot of like passholder merchant things but like for three years it was all sanderson sisters really cute stuff on all the halloween stuff so i bought that passholder tote bag for thirty dollars i mean it's okay. got a set. It's so cute. It's got a satin lining with the girls and Billy on it and Banks. It's so cute. But, like, it's, it's one of those things where I went, God, they get me every year because it's finally something like there was no hocus pocus anything for almost 30 years. 20, you yeah. know, it's that 25th anniversary. That mm-hmm. was the first year we got merchandise. Oh, uh, totally. It, 90, yeah, two years ago was the first time that we got any merchandise and now and you know spirit halloween is a huge section now. And oh, so again yeah, this totally. is that this is that thing where disney doesn't see something as a viable property until they feel that like it's either got the fan service aspect of it um, and a lot of this is actually attributed to Freeform and ABC Family um, as they switch names. And Disney Channel would show this in syndication five or six times between the beginning of September and Halloween every yeah, year, starting they would in have 2002. The,
1: what's called the 31 Days of Halloween, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. It started with 13 and then became 31 because the the th- you know the the 14 days of 12 days of Christmas became the 30 days of Christmas because it just does so uh, well. And out. this was a property that they oddly owned. So you know. Um, doing a distribution for themselves is much easier than like negotiating with Fox for Elf for four performances. They can show Hocus Pocus six times in a month and they're just making whatever the revenue is between the two networks. Yeah. So, you know, that works. Um, but this has become huge. And honestly, the cast of this movie is small, but
1: so powerful.
0: Can so we just powerful? talk
1: about the cast?
0: The cast, and even down to—I didn't realize it until my watching this week. The school teacher in the first scene is the principal from the Grease film. Who, what? Yes, yes. Now ben- I have to watch it again. So phenomenal it. actress. She's an amazing, uh, amazing character actress. Oh like my she's a standout in the Grease film and in Grease too, because they got her back for Grease too. Oh yeah. Which I love Grease too. I You're arguably love Grease 2. too. Because you know what? It knows exactly what it is. It's total trash, and they made they made use of Michelle Pfeiffer in her eight-note range. Like, it <laughs> yeah. works. Like, we it love just... a good
1: eight-note range. We do. Whoa.
0: Speaking of an eight-note range, we've got uh, Sarah Jessica Parker in this, you know, which she had been on Broadway. She had been off-Broadway. She was one of the original replacements for Annie. Like... She has been in the entertainment industry for years and she has an atypical look while still being very beautiful. She has unusual 100%. features. Um, and then you've got Kathy Najimy, who is Kathy
1: the, Jimmy just, the
0: eternal oh. character actress who, continue, who continues to come back to Disney. When she oh, came yes. back as the evil queen in Descendants, oh. like...
1: Good, it made my heart so happy. And we got Christian Cheno within that movie oh, too. Just yes. The
0: power yes. Of, of icons. Well, and if we know oh. anything about Cheno, as long as there was some rose on the writer, she'll okay, show she up for good. any gig. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and Ka- You know what Kathy is someone who I respect her Work ethic, because she's one of those careers where a lot of people go, oh, what's her name? What's her name? And like, I know, I think most like Disney people and like queer people know her name. But it's one of those that she has been in at least three or four major projects a year whether it's television or film every year of my lifetime and I'm 35 now um and you know she's Peggy in King of the Hill and most people don't realize that that's her and there's just she's so well versed and she's just so likable and charming she's and also lovely and she had two great movies this year she had this and Sister Act 2 within four months of each other being released and she's great in the Sister Act uh, oh she's franchise.
1: fantastic in Sister Act
0: I've never seen her in something that she honestly wasn't fantastic in. Frankly, no.
1: She just she can do no wrong. She's just yeah. so lovable and just mm-hmm. so brilliant, and she's, just, she's such a joy to watch. And actually, and she, she was going to be at um, Comic Con in March, but then of course,
0: mm-hmm. Miss Rona of course, uh, Miss Rona, yes. mm-hmm. uh huh, oh, and joy. Well, and then we have to go to none other than the divine Miss M. Miss uh, Miss Midler. Bette
1: freaking Midler. Ugh.
0: And this was when, like, Bette has always done a ton of things that's like Disney adjacent because she was in big business for Touchstone in the 80s with Lily Tomlin, which was a Disney property. She comes and goes. She does a lot. This was shortly after she did um, Gypsy for HBO, which is an iconic performance of mama rose gypsy gypsy's my favorite golden age musical and like it you
1: can gypsy it's just such you, a brilliant you, show
0: you can't and like every woman that's done it on broadway i have every recording most of them on vinyl like and there's something yeah. amazing oh i break out the angela lansbury gypsy quite often because it's just oh, so yes. good it's, it's so good oh fantastic
1: and, well and
0: like i moved to new york and one of the first shows i saw was uh, sitting front row in student rush for Patty the Pone and Gypsy, which is no. just... Oh, yes. Oh, it's like it during...
1: rush for G- Sign me up for just rush for oh. Patty the and Gypsy.
0: It's so oh, true. Was. And of course, now, all of my friends were like, we were there on that day when she yelled at someone. And I was like, Queen, not all 400 of you could have been in this, the audience at the St. James. <laughs> but, uh, which I'm sure someone is grumbling in their car while they're listening to this episode right now because I said that. But, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> Bet Midler has such an unusual career. I call her the Fanny Bryce of her generation because
1: oh, yes, oh my god.
0: Beca- well, one her tenacity and ferocity to be recognized in the industry. She and Elton John performed in gay bathhouses in New York, and like she, like she was like, listen, my friends are gay. I know that if you're going to get anywhere, the gays have to love you, and the gays loved her. So oh, like it was just. Absolutely. It's a thing, I mean, and she was in Fiddler on Broadway, the 1970s revival. She was one of the daughters as as a young woman, and she's just, she's another one of those women from her generations, like Bernadette Peters, and, and so many of them that have an unusual voice and an unusual look. And now, they wouldn't make it into an open call, but then they were these powerhouse performances that, um, like... yeah. And because the, so the thing good. about her is she's never afraid of looking dumb because she brings this comedic dignity to everything that she does. Oh, 100%. And it's
1: and just fantastic.
0: It's so good. And so, like, I, like, uh, recently, of course, because most of my friends on Facebook are all theater people because I'm a theater uh, theater human. Or they're theater Disney peeps people. Theater peeps represent. Theater peep represent. And so, yeah. like... There's a big commentary now because of course Kenny Ortega, never never a gay to be forgotten, uh, was like, I would be so open up to a Broadway production of Hocus Pocus. Um, which we'll, yes. which we'll talk about at the <laughs> very end of the show because I want to go in. Um oh, yes. but it's one Comedy of those things details. that I have a hard time imagining any other women playing these roles like exactly. there are amazing women but these roles like i almost think more of the script would need to be rewritten than not because oh, the script works in there um because like bet midler even does some like when they break out of the this is getting a little bit into things i love but when they get burned up in the kiln and they come back and she comes out uttering the line from the french tape oh, like I want to uh, know whether that was her or what they figured out on set because that's that is a comedic genius oh, moment.
1: Absolutely. And in this movie there are so many so incredible many. so many quotable moments. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean you got the oh look another glorious morning makes me sick which sick. I like quote on a daily
0: every morning I Oh, out. Yes. Um <laughs> oh, or, or or just uh I'm a kumak kumak kumak
1: ah. there's just so, so much. many So many hilarious moments in Mm -hmm. this movie. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember looking back into research I think that's why it didn't do well as well because Mm -hmm. it was more of like a comedic approach to like a more like,
0: like I guess, scary
1: Halloween
0: Well, and originally this was called Disney's Halloween House. um, And it was a lot scarier. They said it was incredibly dark, incredibly gritty and lost the family appeal early on. And so that's when they pumped in the family friendliness. What's funny about this is I barely consider this family friendly and Definitely. when you also also when you look at I remember kids that were like it was a Disney movie and they said hell a lot. <laughs> which is one of those funny things when you're talking about which is and she exactly. does you know they're physically talking about the place and it's like okay so it's a place which then the christians can't even get mad because it's in the bible so you can't you know so it's one of those things but it is it's barely family friendly they talk about uh max being a virgin so much which is so funny danny even brings it up too.
1: i'm like <laughs> it just that that moment just gives me it just well, gives me everything. Which,
0: which is so funny talking about Thora Birch and her like weird life because her parents starred in the 1970s like major motion picture that got national release under NC17 called Deep Throat. Her parents were both adult performers and then turned into stage parents. Like that is her legacy. Um oh.
1: My goodness, that so, is and fantastic. She,
0: and it's a, it was one of those that her family was one of the earliest that was like in tabloids and things. And so like the fact that like her, their daughter was getting into acting and she was supposed to do a Dracula revival at the Little Schubert Off-Broadway in, like, 2010. Um, oh, wow. And, like, she had fallen into, like, there was some drug addiction and alcohol addiction, and, like, her dad was her manager and had to be in the rehearsal room and was my really gosh. creepy and gross and led to her being fired from the production. And it was, like, her and George Hearn and huge, broad like, Broadway oh, and film names doing this revival. Yeah, and so the poor girl has had, like, a really strange and interesting life, but she is a standout performance in this. Like oh, in she, this movie. you know, like is not- one of
1: my favorite characters in this movie. She's oh, just so witty, mine too. So funny,
0: and this was a time where like children weren't looked at as like oh they're Disney actors. It was like wow, look at how good these like because you totally. also had Macaulay, you had Macaulay Culkin, you had the cast of Now yes. and then coming out at this time, Little Rascals would come out the next year, and you had these kids. <laughs> that was like oh. You can get a really amazing performance out of kids if you work the right way, and you know they flipped the um the kind of male hero trope on their head with with max in this where yeah. where you know it's 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 one of those that it's it's so where Allison is actually the really strong supportive one, and like he's the like bumbling almost um oh uh 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 uh. Oh my God, I'm blanking. Oh, oh, the the damsel in distress. Max is yeah, almost totally. the damsel in distress for this whole thing, Definitely. and Allison's the one that continually comes up with ideas. So, oh, and just before we get out of the cast, um, Doug Jones. Oh, I have all the
1: time in the world. All of the time in the world. I was just rewatching, and his physicality unmatched. He's
0: so good, so and also. Because he's another one that embraced that he's an unusual looking actor. Yes, and he's absolutely. very tall and thin. Um, I mean, I think of all of my favorite properties from the last like 25, 30 years. He's been a part of between Hocus Pocus he's been and so much. Buffy and yes. uh, got Hellboy. The, uh, there's just so much that he has done. I mean, I that's the thing. I was hoping for the Del Toro Haunted Mansion because... I want Doug Jones as the Hatbox Ghost. I think he would be phenomenal as the Hatbox Ghost. He is the physicality. This is all that I need. It would be amazing. And that's why when they announced a couple weeks ago that Disney's moving forward with the new Haunted Mansion and Del Toro is not attached to it like he has been for like seven years, I was bummed because del toro is also the biggest haunted mansion fan ever
1: oh my god absolutely he he
0: literally has an audio animatronic in his home of the hatbox ghost like it's just i I like to think that he actually has the 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 original hatbox ghost that went missing from disney i
1: I I, I wouldn't be surprised
0: (laughs) and then okay i was gonna say before we move on but there's one more person who actually is a voice of a generation and it's sean murray as thackeray binks which uh, I remember him first as um, the main character in Weekenders on Disney One Saturday Morning, which is great. Um, but more importantly, he he's Haku in Spirited Away. Like for oh, me, just... he, and, and his voice is great. He's also on, um, oh, what is it? He is uh, in, uh, NCIS. Yes, NCIS. He played Timothy McGee on NCIS, which is what I think most people know him as. Um, yes i think so but and he's just he's wonderful uh shout out to the new kitten in my family who my sibling had a black cat with a white star in his chest show up out of a dark bush one morning and we have no idea where he came from he looks like a little bat he immediately adopted my family and she's like i don't know what to name him and i was like his name is banks you have name to is name banks. him banks, it his is name is banks. <laughs> i mean that's so, gonna be me
1: if i own a black cat anytime in my future like his oh, absolutely. Big, no questions asked. No nothing. absolutely,
0: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So let's, so we are just going to jump into this. So we're going to jump into things that we find effective, things that we love. So what are some things for you that just stand out and make this movie rewatchable? And you would actually bring up in an, because I think in this one, it's like when I'm in a room with people, and I have some very contrarian gay friends because this is a thing. They go, it's just not a good movie. I don't get why everyone loves it. <laughs> and they're being purposely contrarian and we all have those friends. We know who they are. Oh, but yes. Like I feel like I actually have to argue why this movie, like, it's not the best film, but, like, it's a good movie. So, like, what are some things for you that you would bring up to, like, argue the point of, like, no, this is a great rewatchable film?
1: earlier, the cast is just so stellar. And everything about... Everything about watching it is just so brilliant. They're all so so committed, and Mm -hmm. even my favorite parts of the movie. I mean, it has to be the Sanderson sisters because, like, there's a part of me like when I watch it that I forget about the heroes and I'm like just rooting for the villains, even though they suck the lives of children Mm -hmm. and do all these things. But I just, I just love them. Like they're essentially like the three Stooges of this movie. Like they're just so fantastic.
0: Yes. Yes, I I agree 100%. Again, it's like I said earlier, all three of them, like Sarah Jessica Parker, even specifically playing the dumb blonde, but she gives her so much heart and she leans she- into it so hard. It's like, if Sarah's going to be dumb, the dumb blonde, she's going to be the dumbest blonde that ever dumb blondeed. Like oh, she-
1: Absolutely. And
0: so there's also this thing with them. And I never for years understood why Mary barked and was like a little animalistic in some, and a friend of mine brought up. So it was at some point along the lines where it was in one of the books that has been released. That before Sarah was born, when they were kids, Winifred wanted a little wanted a sibling that she could like boss around, and all the family had was a dog. So she turned so she turned the dog into her sister, and so Mary was actually a dog. Like, and I again, it's not canon; it's never been confirmed, but like it makes sense because she barks at people, she like bite, like she gnaws on her own tongue, she can smell out children. Like, it's one of those things that it's like, oh. Okay, like, that that's that's my new headcanon. My- it's my new headcanon. And then Sarah was born, and Sarah's just dumb, but then Winifred had what we, she we wanted. We love Sarah, though. Oh, we love Sarah. We stand. We Sarah. love Sarah. Also, stand. because... Well, because the 90s did this thing where, like, women embracing their sexuality. And so, like, oh, this idea oh, that, God, like... Yeah. Sarah knows she's pretty. Like that's her old thing. She's like, "I'm gorgeous again." Um, Boys love me. Love <laughs> me. Um, which is so funny to think of, like a boy-hungry woman in 1693. Like that's I, so oh, funny for me to think so good. of. But like, girl, thir- th- the pilgrims had to be thirsty. I'm going to give it to them. I, gonna, I bet. There's, th- there's thirsty pilgrims. Also, who knows how long <laughs> they've been alive since then? Like. Exactly. We don't know how old they are. Um, yeah, they're they're, they're so good. They they just stand out. I mean, and the Bette Midler fully embracing uh, Winifred in oh. in in making her diabolical and smart. And you could always see her thinking of it, but she's also a mess. Like we love a messy witch. A witch. Like I feel like a messy witch. Like I feel like I'm on Disney Talk and like Witch Talk, and it's the only places I want to live. Like. Like Dang. It's all cottagecore and like fun witches oh. on my TikTok, and I love them all. It's so good. But also something that I think goes along with what the women were doing. Now, I'm a costume designer, so a lot of times I know that along the way, we'll design well before we have a cast. But I like to think that a lot of... That the women and the designers kind of used each other because you could tell they also leaned into what was designed for them, and like one hundred
1: percent, the costumes in this movie are fantastic.
0: Oh, they're. Six, seven, twelve layers in some places of oh my God. mixed textiles that work so well because they give a richness on screen. You get the, like, the mix of cultures and, like, the weird Celt embroidery on, with the Sanderson crest on, him. like, there's just so many things that, like, and they all three feel like they're from a different point in time, which would make sense if they're from a witch family, like it's uh like they're each hundreds of years apart maybe you know it's just one of those things that it yeah and it's like it's just so fantastic sarah's hair sarah being the most contemporary and kind of looking like a 90s ren fair girl but then winnie fully leaning into it and exactly then exactly the vibe well and then sarah's hair just is going off course and she's always kind of leaning in that way like she's always a little off kilter there's just something so smart about using it and even giving them like Something that became a trope after "Wizard of Oz was all witches have to wear striped tights. If you watch witches throughout most of the 20th century, they're always in striped tights, yes. which we see a couple times of each, mm-hmm. each of them have striped tights that lend into their color palette. But yes. I even love that like their clothing ma- is magical and ages with them, like there's just oh, so much.:
1: Absolutely.: and Absolutely. So th-
0: those two things together. And I really love all three of those women. It's something else about Sarah Jessica Parker, which I don't love Sex in the City, but you can use it as a reference. She knows how to wear a costume. She knows how to wear clothing she in a way owns that she it. owns it. Um, the fact that she's like bending over and doing like fun Anna Nicole things on that broom in a full, <laughs> st- like, whale-boned corset is just stupid and i applaud her so oh, because like i can't she see just you.
1: gives it ah oh, and it's so good i'm
0: mm-hmm. i'm
1: not gonna get the Anna Nicole picture out of my head now that is fantastic <laughs>
0: Well, and it's th- they're about the same time. Anna Nicole's reality yeah. show oh, starting 100%. just after this. She was kind of an icon, and there are those little things that like she didn't have the little voice, but like Sarah had that energy. Like just just the her really? reading of the boys will love me is just so it's so good, and they each just kind of leaned into it in a way that their commitment to the script. Like again, I was listening to some things, and I was like, oh, these scenes aren't on paper written super well but like these three women chew the scene in a way that like i don't care they could be reading a dog food bag and i would still throw the money at them i'd throw dollars at them like just like
1: be glued to my screen i don't care what they're mm -hmm. doing i'd just be like yes tell me more it's so true
0: this is all i need it's it's like when i say audrey mcdonald could read me a thai food menu and i would be there just yes yes please just (laughs) yes please give it to me (laughs) Give it to, give it all to me. Um, <laughs> uh, put a pen in Audra. We'll come back to her because she's a she's a thought for later. Um, we love
1: Audra.
0: Yeah, so I agree with you a thousand percent. The witches. I think. Well, one, they shot this in Salem, which I think is insanely important to the feel of it. And most of the 100%. time, one
1: hundred percent. Because like now no you, house, cho- now no you
0: house shoot, now you shoot this in good Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing is like it feels witchy. You could tell they filmed it in the previous fall. Um cuz like now they shoot it in Vancouver, they shoot it in Sonoma, they shoot it somewhere yeah. that like mm-hmm. isn't right but like is cheaper to film in than bringing your whole Definitely. crew but like it's the I think oh, you're talking about this a little bit before the design of this from top to bottom um scenic, costumes, sound, um lighting, it builds the whole movie and makes it great. Like they le- they you know, cause it's not the same Disney people working on parks and movies and things, but they leaned into building the Sanderson home the same way that they lean into building an attraction where I feel like I could walk into that and look at anything up close and it would feel just as real and as vibrant as it would, as it does through the, as it was, as it, as it does through the screen, um, and definitely it's
1: also, so I, fantastic
0: it's so good and I just love anything also that's peak 90s because we're back to this now but like yeah it, it's 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 just so funny that also there's some things I like about this like some of the script moments are great but like the fact that everybody wanted to be in California in the 90s like that became what everybody wanted with the valley yeah. Girl trend and everything. Um, But then everybody's making fun of Max from being from California in this. Yeah. And like wearing Tata and being like, dude, whatever. It's just, it's just, dude, it's just, it's consumerist. East Coast people are just so (laughs) consumerist. And I was like, why do you sound like all my friends that live in Brooklyn? Come on. (laughs) I mean, it's. But but it's, it's one of those things that, again, they. Disney did this a lot with the live-action stuff in the 90s. They were either doing, like, animal movies or they were leaning into stuff that felt like a period piece before it came out. Like, I just watched Kid in King Arthur's Court with a friend of mine, which is 95 and feels like the most aggressively 1995 movie ever. Um, But, you know, it's just one of those things. I think they leaned into... Disney was finally perfecting that teen and 20-something audience in a way that they never had before. And I think this movie yeah. is peak that.
1: Oh, 100%. They touch on, like, so many... and then, That's the other thing with this movie. It's just so amazingly 90s, and I it's, love every second of it.
0: It's And it's melodramatic in the best kind of ways, and just, you know, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. From the way the houses are decorated and, you know, everybody in the early 90s suddenly owned a computer, which nobody actually owned a computer. But in movies, all of these, like, staunchly white middle class kids had, like, nice tech. They had a video game system and a computer in their room. And I was like, I want to live in this world. We don't have any of that. (laughs) Please. We don't have any of this. Um,
1: Another thing that I love... (laughs) Was just me watching the movie, and this is like still one of my favorite little details. Is that little girl who was trick or treating as Mrs. Potts? She just makes my heart so happy.
0: There are and so I many. Love it. There are so many wonderfully hidden things. So like, yes. Also, there's a Power Ranger in this, which um, in Ranger, in and, and so, but it's funny because. The American version of Power Rangers was going to premiere like weeks after this opened in theaters.
1: Disney, like, let's just like let's get the people like we'll anticipated. Throw, we'll throw let's it, it in. On their we'll throw feet. it in.
0: And then they would buy the franchise ten years later. Who knew? Um, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, there are lots of costumes. Or I caught one today I'd never seen before in the um par- the parents dance because like that's something like. All the grown-ups leave the kids to their own things cuz you know it's Movie Land. There's a yes, guy dr- There's a guy dressed in a screen accurate it looks like a screen used Tron costume and Seriously? I Yes, and it's and it's not even like white and blue. It is the cream canvas and black that they actually were filmed oh. in. So I Me would bet anything that. I would bet anything that they actually pulled it out of before. Cause this I'm was before Sure,
1: they must have,
0: well, this was before the archives started, like the Disney archives were just starting at this point. And so I feel like this is something they pulled out of the archives or they had a reproduction. Cause if you look through, there are some Disney things that are hidden throughout our Disney Jason, but I noticed that Mrs. Potts kid for the first time today. And I went, of course he it would put my- that in there. <laughs> well, and this was, like, right after Beating the Beast came out on VHS, so it makes sense. It's <laughs> you're like, so look perfect. you like, look at this thing. You can go down to your uh, local Walmart or Halloween store and get, this was before Spirit Halloween. Could we even imagine a time before Spirit Halloween? Uh, what,
1: um, what? Spirit? I don't know what we would have done. <laughs>
0: what? 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 Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just, and there's, so, there's. I also love any movie from the 90s where the adults are so useless. Like They,
1: they are... 100% are in this movie. Literally, okay, Max's parents, I, 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 like, parents, she mentions them. Are they anywhere to be seen at the party? Absolutely nope. not. Do they have any significance to the plot? Absolutely nope. not. Neither nope. do Max's for that matter. They just leave their kids off to trick or treat. Yep. They go to a party as a vampire and Madonna, and then they're good. And And they—they
0: look like every white parent from the 1990s as well. The blonde mom, the blonde mom cut with the high-waisted mom jeans, and the bumbling dad that, like Ty Burrell, grew into. Like that's the dad that Phil made fun of on Modern Family. Like this is that dad, and he kind of sounds like Ty Ty Burrell. Um.
1: Oh, he kind of does.
0: He does. It's another thing. I think I've noticed. Like I watched this movie probably. Three or four times in the last two weeks or so, three weeks, and like I've I've noticed a couple of things that I just never noticed before. And even then, like the the guy that's on the motorcycle that they think is a cop and he's just razzing them. And it's just so funny though that like everybody that lives in Salem happens to know every in and out of this like prophecy that like everybody thinks Definitely. is funny. like, Did you light the black flame candle? Are you a virgin, bro? And it's like
1: are you even a virgin
0: girl are you even a virgin man i was like i've seen movies that started this way and it makes me uncomfortable um like uh mm, mm. Uh, but you know and it's one of those things but then like his like again this movie really skirts the lines of family friendly like when his friend like his female friend comes stumbling out of the bar in a very tiny gold dress and like blown hair it's one of those things i was like okay y'all lean- salem's wild uh salem's shout out to my is <laughs>
1: wildin and then the bus driver when like when he's all like we desire children and then he's like hey it may take me a couple of tries but huh, i'm just like and this disney what, what how are you rating this movie excuse what? me <laughs> how
0: is this a pg movie what this, is this
1: <laughs> i'm mean, sure this? it goes over the kids heads but everyone who's like i don't know like Older than a child who would watch Disney would just be like, it, 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 "Did you just did we just connect two and two together here?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is this what
1: we're yeah. adding into a I, PG movie. Well, and
0: also like Sarah's sitting on his lap, and he's like, "Hey, toots, you want to drive the bus?" And it's like, "What world?" I was like, "I forgot it that Hollywood happening. version of the '90s is not what was happening yeah, in the Hollywood '90s." Yeah, Hollywood version but
1: like, '90s and actual '90s are. Something.
0: <laughs> I mean, I say that, but then literally the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton scandal came out like less than a year after this. So it's like, maybe it wasn't yeah. so different. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, but there are all those. Oh, so this is, I think the last big thing for me that I just love and they're in two uncredited roles, which I didn't realize are uncredited. And it's Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall as the devil and his wife which for yes, a lot yes, of that yes. scene, even today I went, is he actually the devil? Does the devil actually live in Salem? Okay, and so funny, I just want to... The scriptwriters for this are genius because he says her name. I never caught it. I'm looking at it. Her name is Petunia, which is a flower. She's Petunia Lady is, is her name. But okay, the thing is, Persephone is like the goddess of spring and flowers and she's the wife of hades i literally as we were starting i saw that and went
1: not cat
0: i love yeah. this oh, also just oh. penny marshall is a treat
1: Oh, um, such a treasure! No,
0: no, I am going to put a pin in this scene as well for when we come back to things. I'm not sure worked. This is a scene where it's funny, but I feel like it wastes five minutes of the film <laughs> because I just don't. Does I, I well? I know it's it's that thing of we always want to see the characters from the past have culture shock and in interacting with the future. Defi- they I literally think
1: that's what definitely makes this movie work so uh-huh. well, and I love that. I don't, what makes it work so well with it being so like filled with these 90s -hmm. references is that Mm -hmm. you have these witches from the 16th century just coming back and like discovering all these new things and that's Mm -hmm. what i even did like a video of um sarah but like in 2020 and her Mm -hmm. being like like what's a mask and like it's that's just what's so fun about this movie Mm -hmm. and that's where i think when we talk about like sequels being developed later i think that's something that can definitely come into play with it
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent there. But this scene is fun because you also still think for a full... I'm also still not sure at the end of that scene that he's not actually, the, the like, the devil. But, like, he's got a nagging wife and he just has a different nagging wife through all of history, which I think is funny <laughs> that, like the devil likes to be whipped. I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things. It's it's just funny. It's just funny. But, like, Gary Marshall's hilarious. He's an amazing filmmaker. Disney loved working with Gary Marshall. So, yes. like, those little things also, because that's a moment where, like, if the adults find out Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall are in it, they're going to come see it, too. It's those moments Absolutely. of Disney's realizing you need something for the kids, something for the... Teens and young adults, and something for the adults. Um, and you know, you know. It, so it's it's one of those things where I think it is lovely. Also, another thing that I'm going to traverse where it's like I love it, but I also hate it. So when we're talking about Ernie and Jay, Ernie slash Ice and Jay, the bullies, which. You know, you can't have a 90s movie without bullies. Without
1: bullies, absolutely.
0: But there are, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Teen Witch, which is like kind of a musical, kind of a... Yeah,
1: okay.
0: And it's like terrible but wonderful. And there's like the rapping top that, guys, that like, they remind me very much of these. Like, they're just quintessential weird. Well, and like, that's my thing for like the Ragamuffin Men, one... That costume designer gave them very lovely clothing. But also I know Salem is a really well to do community still. So like they were up a middle of class. So of course they had nice things and of course, but like, of course. You know, those guys were just like everything felt like adorably nineties, and they felt like aggressively Hollywood nineties. Um, which definitely I, I love about them, but I also hate about them. But they also they get the nineties thing where they get their comeuppance and we're like, ha, ha, ha you you get yeah, yours, totally young man.
1: like... Whenever like the sisters aren't around, they're definitely the ones that kind of fill in with like yeah. the whole like comedic mm-hmm. stuff. And like, I mean, they're great. I wouldn't say that like they're like one of my highlights of the film, but like they're 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 still great.
0: They're well, and they're funny because again, you can't have a movie like that without the over over-exer- the overexerted bullies that everyone knows exist, but nobody's like, kids, you shouldn't bully. Uh, yeah. I wonder. I wonder why kids get so angry. Kids aren't mean, but they let their kids go bully. You know, and so it's again, it's a it's a trope that I don't think you could have this because again, Max is the new kid. He's supposed to be this like s- too smart for everyone loner that learns his way in the end through the eyes of a beautiful girl. Mm, it's the nineties, <laughs> T- tasteless tropes. But yeah, <laughs> so I think I think let's jump in. So as as we go through and watch. And again, a lot of people over the years have gone, you know, this maybe isn't a great movie or the best movie. And I go, yeah, but like, it's fun. And sometimes like my, one of my favorite musicals is Starlight Express. It is burning flaming trash. But like. We, we deserve. That. We love
1: that for Starlight Express. We, we really We
0: deserve do. burning, burning flaming trash. Uh, shout out to ALW. And also that, do you know what's still not, you know what's Starlight Express is still better than? the cats movie. So like, it's still good.
1: I'm still convinced that the cats movie was the downfall of 2020. I'm still convinced.
0: I agree with you. I think that, I think the mom, I think there was a moment at, at universal that, um, dissected us in time in one of those moments of like, there's a key point, like a doctor who there are key points in time that have to happen. Um, But there are two ways that they could happen. And it was that moment that they decided to push ahead the Cats movie and pull back the Wicked movie. That is that moment that that I think the world dissected. And the actual, like, devolving of the Cats film. Because that first trailer came out. And uh, I'm not going to conspiracy theory this, but like... Two weeks later, we started hearing about COVID in China. That's all I'm going to say is that, like, two weeks after that cats cat came out, the COVID well, came out. Uh, this is this is no longer Dole Up in Dreams. This is media conspiracy theory. Welcome <laughs> to InfoWars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this is not, uh, no, uh, not InfoWars. Uh, but, like, so I think I think there's a place, especially now, and I think it's a lot of people, we are taking in so much media right now because we're in quarantine and people have yes. time that i think we have time for things that maybe aren't the best quality but like they bring me joy they make everyone happy and like let's continue to enjoy them and it's okay to enjoy them uh and so i want to i want to preface this as we move into like things that don't work for us things that we think may i like to objectively use the term effective and ineffective versus good or bad because good or fad good or bad is subjective not quite subjective where it's in taste where um effective and ineffective i think is something that we could have like a conversation about so is there Hmm. anything sid as we jump in that you find just doesn't work for you on like rewatch as an adult now that you've got like an artist-centered brain or like a a storyteller-centered brain is there anything that just doesn't check out for you in this movie
1: Oh, dang. I have it's to a- talk about Hocus Pocus in an ineffective light. What am I doing? Um, You know, I mean, something that, like, never really kind of stuck with me. Like, I, mean, I understand this movie is, like, created, like, in a family light. Mm-hmm. But even so, like, the whole, like, Danny and Max. Not Danny. Not Danny. No. <laughs> and Max, no. Like, Wait a minute. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Allison, with the whole, like, Allison and Max, like. Like, the, mm-hmm. it, it felt like a forced kind of
0: oh yeah love
1: narrative thing. And it really wasn't necessary. And I just, mm-hmm. it's not like the first thing that I go into watching this movie for. Like, I don't watch yeah. this movie for like a cute little teen rom-com with some witches. Mm-mm. No, I no. want the witches. Give me the spooks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give me the goopery. Give me all of that stuff. <laughs> I just don't have time for these two teenagers who were witch hunting to suddenly fall in love and I'm not here for that.
0: It's so true. I you know, I get I get their there were they so it's that idea of an A plot, a B plot, and a little bit of a C plot. And movies need those things to kind of keep things moving. Um, and a lot of times it is an old trope. Like even in the Fantastic Beast, the first Fantastic Beast, the romance between Queenie and Jacob becomes the B plot. Um, and it's a really sweet B plot. Um, but you know, so it's one of those things that I think Max is supposed to be our hero, and there is this again, it's this like heteronormative idea of like what a hero should be like and he should be this like dashing dude and again all boys all like m- young teen heartthrobs all looked like Max in the 90s it was that weird yeah. center part it's all coming back now it's very gross and weird as an adult it, to yeah. see they Are
1: really coming they're, back they're now just
0: these they're like, like, st- like string bean boys in terrible clothing and oversized shoes with a center part like <laughs> who doesn't know how to talk to girls like I don't know how that became like the teen heartthrob, but here we are we love it <laughs> Um, you know, but yeah, so it's one of those things that it's, like it's, it's, uh, I have a habit where I never like our protagonist and Max. And I get, you know what? It's the same thing as kind of Max in a goofy movie, which would come out like two years later. Mm-hmm. But like it's that 90s teenage boy is supposed to be kind of unlikable, I think. And you're supposed to, him yeah. coming around and learning to be a hero is his character development. And they're yeah, like, definitely. the moment he gets the character development that they've given him, he gets to win the girl, and that's his day. Like, Dude, like also like because they when they think they defeated them, he and Allison immediately cuddle up. Now they did it really nice where she's wrapped in the blanket and he's behind the blanket and then they're just leaning on each other. So it's still wholesome and pure. Um, We love a
1: wholesome moment. Wholesome
0: moment. You know, the parents at home can be okay with it. And it's very sweet and it's very protective. But also, like I said earlier, Allison is a much stronger put-together character and way more intelligent than he is. Like, honestly, this is Allison's story where Allison saves the day and Max is just the one that, like, fucked up. Like... Totally.
1: if,
0: If it wasn't for Danny, if this was just a Max story it doesn't actually make sense that he and Allison would fall in love. Exactly. Because um, almost, you almost, now, I feel like if this was a brand new movie now, Max would die at the end of this movie. He, he would, would. sacrifice himself <laughs> so for, for Danny and Allison. And then the next movie would be 20 years later where Allison and Danny are slayers. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, they're okay, witch hunters. Okay,
1: that's the kind of movie that I... But I'm also here for that. that.
0: Thor Birch, call us, Thor Birch. We have got we got let's a project go. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do we know? Yeah, uh, what a uh, Danny Dennison, a uh, witch hunter. That's got a ring to it. That sounds pretty I good.
1: Lo- oh, I'm I am yeah. here.
0: For here we this. go. Disney Disney Plus series. Let's go. Can Make her an MCU me? character. Let's do it. Oh, but let's. The- have her show up in the new Doctor Strange and, and Scarlet Witch. Which movie? Let's do it here. Well, I didn't know this. Cando and
1: Scarlet Witch. That's all that I asked.
0: For. That'd be so good. Like That's just Danny, like adult Danny, show up in the poncho and the hat, but she's just like radiating power. <laughs> oh my god! Please. Because Danny, Danny, goes back and gets the book to keep it safe, but she really just starts learning the magic the whole time. And then Danny's the, either that or Danny, Danny becomes the villain, and Allison has to kill Danny at the end of the next one we could it. We could there's so many ways we could do this. It could be hokey, it could be spooky, it could be uh okay, spooky, oh. makalemoki, Dig Dig, dig dookie. <laughs> <laughs> about to say it can't be halloween and we not reference the Alyssa Edwards Sharon Needles. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that
1: is forever uh next to hocus pocus that is like I
0: have to watch that every single Halloween. And if I don't, I'm doing something wrong. Me too. That and then the three episodes of mm, where
1: it's the Halloween <laughs> episodes. <Not laughs> I'm a mountain bike.
0: I'm so glad we just had that spiritual moment. That is so good. That was, <laughs> <fantastic>. <laughs> that was so good. I am. Uh, it's the goop, oh, it's the gaggery, it's everything. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah uh oh, oh, it's so it's yeah it's it's one of those things where actually Max's character I think for me is the one thing that doesn't super work uh throughout this I just I either want him to be that 90s typical hero kid or I want to see him fail at the end he barely comes through at the end and he does I I do love when a hero does a selfless act when we've got a selfish hero that does a selfless act he loves his sister and that I also love as someone who's very close with my sibling I love I love the relationship actually between Max and Danny. It's so good. Um it's Absolutely. really pure it's
1: for Binks as well like with like Emily mm-hmm. and stuff. I think mm-hmm. it ties so well and it's, it's it so does. Awesome. We love it. It does.
0: It does it does. I also love the idea I had this thought earlier of whatever the future is, I do want that's my thing is I don't know that I want Max to show back up in another movie. Again, yeah. we'll get to this, but <laughs> I want it to, Max. I want oh, yeah. Danny to meet a boy at college that looks like Binks, and it's the actor that played Binks. And so it's that moment where he's like, "I'll always be with you," and like the universe rewards her I with heart like,
1: like this. I know, oh. and
0: I was like, "Oh, that's such a gross, out of use trope," but like, oh. Or, or is Danny queer and it's Emily or, or, or Banks is, you know, reincarnated as a female because gender is a construct and doesn't exist anyway. It's fine. You know, yeah. it's one of those things because, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, again, I, I know Allison needs to be that Callista Flockhart, Brooke Shields, beautiful, rich girl, who's like super smart and things. And that was, you know, that was girl power before the Spice Girls. Um totally. But I want her to be a little more rough around the edges. I want her to be a little bit of a tom girl or a tomboy. Yeah, that's like what I'm excited I, I, about
1: I, seeing. Like I'm so excited to see like where Danny goes. Mm-hmm, because I mean she's only mm-hmm. like this itty bitty little sex yeah. pod in mm-hmm, the first one. And mm-hmm. I just wanna see I just wanna see her blossom into yeah. whoever she's gonna be. Max, yeah. great. You're there. Whatever, <laughs> dude. Yeah, you're fine. You do you girl. Yeah.
0: Yeah, or Max goes missing, and Max is the one they have to go find. And you know, I wanted, I wanted a little more for Allison too, because she's a great. Actually, as far as female characters being written during this time, she's a great character. She's a lot of fun. Oh, she's
1: so she's smart.
0: The most proactive of all of this. Like, granted, she opens the book and they find them, but like, you couldn't have known that. You know that that orange glow was there in post production. Banks should have told them not to open the book. He doesn't. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, but yeah, there's just. I think they actually, you know, and Disney often gets um, shit for not doing original stories because it's actually hard to tell an original story because you have these moments of you've got to flesh out all these beats to give yourself an overall thing. And Kenny Ortega was a, oh, we haven't talked about Kenny being the director of this at all yet. Uh, High school musical alum, Kenny Ortega, um, who has made some of the best and worst properties over the last like... Couldn't agree more. Couldn't <laughs> yeah. agree
1: more. Yeah. Um
0: but like you can tell that he brought a musical theater understanding to this movie because it's structured um, like a musical without oh, musical yeah. moments. Wonderfully. Um yeah, there's a great structure and there are the only times like it's 96 minutes, which 90 minutes feels about right for a live action movie. I actually hmm. feel like it could be a little shorter, probably around an 80 See, there minute are mark.
1: Things that I think could be
0: Cuz like it just undercut yeah, it's like the watching the witches go from the bus to trick-or-treating, and they're like, oh, we don't understand that these aren't children. They're goblins, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's fun. We
1: have a little, like, one-liner thing. It yeah. doesn't have to be a whole yeah,
0: moment. Yeah, it's, it's cute. Like, they can come off the bus and realize and then grab the kid and pull his mask back and then realize then. That saves mm-hmm. you eight and a half minutes right there. Or, totally. you know, there's that really extended scene in the top of Max's house. It's sweet, but, like... It's very long. Like it's a one of those. One. The the yeah. witches they should have exited, and the witches almost immediately re- reappear. Definitely. Um, the school the the dance is great one because you can't have a movie with Bette Midler and not have a musical moment in it. Also, just because I think if it's probably in her that's contract. A crime.
1: Well, if you I, I don't. That's a crime.
0: I, I feel like every movie I've seen with Bette Midler in it has a musical moment in it. So, like, I feel like it's probably just something that she agrees to. Um, but, like, I'm also, sure. why Why would you not? Why would you not? Um, you know, exactly. and, and...
1: It's Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. When you gotta, you gotta.
0: You gotta, you gotta. When you got it, flaunt it. Um, And so, it's... Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just one of those things where I think... Tightening up the script just a little bit and tightening up a couple moments would really benefit us in the long run, I think would just be a huge. Because otherwise, yeah, it's hokey. Yes, it's a family film. It's still a little spooky. Billy's just the right amount of scary um, Mm -hmm. and things. And so, you know, it's one of those moments of I don't know that there's much else that I would change other than let's tighten up a couple things. Let's they didn't lean in, I think enough with figuring out exactly who Max was. So like, let's figure out who Max is. And, yeah, absolutely. and, but again, this is a product of the nineties. It feels like the nineties. And so it's hard 100%. for me to not look at it as it's hard for me to not look at this as, as a moment of, um, being a product of its time. I think this is such a timely example of being a product of its time. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. It's like the most nineties. Mm hmm thing in the world like everything about it
0: a fun little tidbit did you know that leonardo dicaprio was almost max
1: yeah i heard about that
0: i was like but then he he turned it down to do what's eating gilbert grape which i think was the better choice i'm just gonna say i love what's Eating.
1: i would agree on that (laughs) i
0: love what's eating gilbert grape and so i think that was but i was just um though what's also funny is this movie was um Originally written for Lord Cloris Leachman to play Bette Midler, or not Bette Midler uh, as Winifred Sanderson, and having as a older as, as Bette Midler <laughs> as uh, yeah, and so it was that kind of Cloris Leachman Elaine Stritch kind of style humor as Winifred, which. While would have been funny, that's a very different movie to me. That when we're that talking is, about like, oh, yeah. a different change of the witch. Like you
1: get yeah. such a different yeah. movie.
0: Such a different. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, I don't I don't think there's that much to talk about that like doesn't hold up or things. I just I would love to see them buff it out just a little bit. Let's just buff, Definitely. buff some things out. Um, but I think they do some very clear and concise storytelling. We cover a lot of time. Um, but I also love that it's literally like less than a twenty four hour period that the movie takes place in. Those are oh, totally. classic Greek theater storytelling and it's it's great. We get the flashback, we and we're we're done and it's great. So I think that's uh oh, so let's talk about the future of Hocus Pocus while we're here because <laughs> For years, it was rumored that people were like, "Ooh, I hear there's going to be sequel. Oh, I want there to be sequel." But like Disney doesn't do anything that's not going to make them money, so of course they weren't even going to think about a sequel to like five or six years ago. Um, oh, but again, yeah. Um, yeah so it, uh, you know, Bette Midler uh, has done two tours where she has a Winifred Sanderson costume and sings "I Put a Spell on You" because of course she does. Because why not? You know, it's just one of those things. It's a very big thing. And in 2015, uh, Disney debuted the uh, Hocus Pocus villain spectacular at Magic Kingdom as part of Mickey's Not So Scary, which is a 35 minute show that you can find on YouTube. I will put it on our social media. You must watch it. This is coming out. If you don't watch
1: it, then what are you even doing? What
0: are you even doing with your life? (laughs) This is coming out the day before Halloween, so like, put it on your spook list. It'll be great. And so it's it's just super fun. It's super interesting. But that was about the time where in 2014, Disney announced that they were going to do a supernatural themed film, um, with Tina Fey as a writer uh, about witches. And everyone thought it was the Hocus Pocus sequel. It was not. But then in 2015, all three of the women at different intervals, because you can't do an interview without these three women of without talking about Hocus Pocus, absolutely. Um, and they all said that they would love to come back it has been talked about but nothing was greenlit. lit um, and then so in 2016 uh, Doug Jones was like yes Disney approached us about a sequel it's happening um, but nothing has been signed on and so it's been over these things but so it was definitely uh, in 2019 we finally got or 2018 I'm sorry we got a book that was called Hocus Pocus and the all new sequel which was a novelization of the original film which it never got And then, uh, which was about, uh, then there was a sequel story about Poppy, Max and Allison's daughter, who does not believe her parents' story about the night that they met.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: So, it sounds like return to Neverland with Jane where she doesn't <laughs> it's to it's Neverland. exactly. And so, Poppy because she's so skeptical about it, um 25 years to the day after the original events, she returns to the Sanderson house and things unfold. So, read that book if you want that. But in 2019, uh, a year after the book came out, it was announced officially that Disney is pursuing an exclusive Disney Plus film with Jen d'angelo um that confirmed that uh parker and jimmy and Midler would all be interested in coming back in their roles and in 2020 adam shankman signed on to be the director adam shankman does a lot of musical so that makes me think maybe it's going to be a musical film which could be lovely um delightful so yeah we've talked about you know uh so there are two things to talk about here Would you want a sequel of this? Because Disney is not having a great habit right now of remakes and like sequels kind of deal. I
1: definitely agree. The sequel and remake train has, um, it's, 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 yeah, that's all I have to say. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're recording, we're recording this in the, the weeks after Mulan came out on Disney plus, uh, which we will have an episode in a couple weeks about. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You were I, I introduced. I interrupted you. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, I mean, with this movie, it's really hard because I feel like if you're going to do a sequel, like it needs to be set in the modern times to really mm-hmm. have that like same kind of feel that the original mm-hmm. did. It's oh, it's really hard because as much as I want there to be more stuff with my sisters and more stuff with the franchise, I. It's really hard. But mm-hmm. if they're going to do a sequel, they better do it right. So Right.
0: That well, happen. and that, that's in that situation where I go, why don't you want to bring back Kenny Ortega? I know Kenny and Disney have a stressful relationship currently. Um, but I think this is one of those situations where the only way that you're going to access a film that's going to be similar in tone and nature and give you the same heart, because nostalgia is the worst thing to not live up to. Um oh. Couldn't agree more. Fans have nostalgia goggles on in a way that can, like, ruin properties. And so it's one of those things that it's like, I don't... Why not bring back every single person who's willing to work on this who worked on the original, like, story (laughs) writing-wise, creative teams... Um, you know, most of the people that worked on this, they're still continue to work on, you know, the designers and stuff still work for Disney, those that are still alive. And so I'm like you, I, I would love to live in this world again, but it needs to be right. and needs to feel right. Or it's going to be, it's going to feel like a cheap imitation and everyone's going to hate it. And people are going to think it's worse than it actually is. Cause I think the moment...
1: And something Pete. else that I, oh, sorry, continue. No, no,
0: you're good. No, no, you go ahead.
1: Well, cool. and like something else that kind of worries me, especially with now, is like, what are they going to do with like the effects? Because that's something that I also loved about watching the original. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed by like all of the practical effects they use, like with this yes. flying. Mm-hmm. Um, da well, and even
0: Banks, like, the the difference between some computer-generated animal, some real animal, and some audio-animatronic animal, I think, you know, they leaned into the fact that the audience knows it's a talking cat, so they didn't do the Sabrina thing where it's, like, the bad audio-animatronic puppet. Yeah. They they leaned into, like, because, like, Pixar is credited in the credits of doing a lot of the post-credit stuff, so, like, the you know, maybe the smoke and stuff was a little hokey, but, like it was cool and it worked and they used just enough stuff or like the computer generated shadows of the, the sisters flying. There were just those moments that like the little bit that they use actually really worked for this. Um, totally. Yeah. Also all of the women are a little bit older. And so I think they need to lean into a, not a redesign because I would love the silhouette of all of them to stay the oh, same. I would
1: love, Cause like um, just so classic and like they like, the costume alone, and, like, we talked about this earlier, yeah. like it just says so much about each of the three, they mm-hmm. like, are so distinct. Yeah. But, yeah, like, a redesign would be interesting. It, Once like, again, it just has to kind of go in the right direction.
0: Yes, and don't get too far away. Also, because we also, I'm a big believer that we need to embrace the beauty of women who age. Like, we need to let women age in Hollywood. Um, because, like... You know, Bette Midler's been very open that she's had work done, and like, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. And Sarah Jessica Parker being, she's been so visible in 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 Hollywood through the last twenty, you know, thirty years that I think we just need to embrace that. Like, the audience is going to acknowledge that these women are coming back to a property thirty years after they were in it originally. Let's just lean into it and not use weird post production de aging and things. Just make them make them look. Big and glamorous and that's all that's gonna kind of matter. Like
1: Absolutely. As long as they own it fun. and as long as they're slaying it, that's what yeah. I'm here for. I don't want their I don't want them to be like drained out of like who they already are now. Yeah. Cause they're still such amazing women. And I, I just
0: agree.
1: I'd love to see them all together yeah. on It's
0: so good. It's so good. Um so uh, again, a musical has been brought up recently because the Broadway community is bored and unemployed please support the entertainment industry if you've been please, 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 taking and if you've been taking in media this whole time it is your business to go support your artists friends and strangers who make the things that you take in because like that's millions of people unemployed right now that are in an entertainment industry so like if you the quicker we can get the entertainment industry the less time you're gonna have without tv and movies in like a year or two like it's just people in the back. Uh, uh we want Broadway to reopen. Like yeah. uh, reopen Broadway. But this is a this is a property for a long time that I've thought leaned into being a musical. Um
1: be super effective.
0: But again, I think you know Disney hasn't always been the best in making really great musical adaptations some were good like i think beauty and the beast is a lovely musical adaptation because it was their first lion king is great but the longer we've gone like frozen was fun but i was bored for all two and a half hours until that quick change came and then it was worth my hundred dollar ticket it was so good that elsa quick change look it up on youtube it's, it's on there
1: stunning
0: um, but I think again, maybe make a ninety-minute musical. Make a. Don't worry about adding too much fluff to this because if you drag this plot out, it's kind of really, I think, cheapen the story. Definitely. But there are I so
1: do that with this.
0: No, but there are so many women. Like honestly, give me an Audra McDonald as Winifred. Led Hocus Pocus. She's the right age. She's got this, She could do those crazy fun soprano notes. Like. <laughs>
1: be here for that like
0: give me like a laura osness and then like taylor lauderman as sarah and oh, then,
1: I Taylor Lautner like, would be such a fun time. You know,
0: there are just, there's my, my friend Bryn Williams, uh, friend of the pod, uh, Bryn Williams, uh, as as Mary would be great. Or there's just a grand scheme of things. But this is another thing that's been a great conversation of. If your dream casts of a, a musical version of Hocus Pocus are all white, you're part of our issue that we're having in the industry right now. That is a great and one. so it's one of those things that I think theater and a musical would be those great moments of, yes, it would have been, Weird and victimy to have an all-black cast of witches taking place in the 1600s because then we're assuming some things. But also, like, let's look at that Brandy Cinderella. I always bring up the Brandy Cinderella of of let's just put whoever's right in the roles in the roles, and it could be great. Absolutely,
1: and uh,
0: and yeah. maybe maybe not make Allison Max's love interest at the end. Make them there. Like he has a crush on her, but she's like no man, I, I got this. And so she's just, they're they're just friends at the end and that's okay. Like that is okay. Um, you know, I think, you know, but I think this is one of those, if we're looking at a sequel or a musical, I'd almost kind of rather a musical, even though musicals are so expensive and commercial and they're not accessible to the mass people. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I think right now we need to live in a moment of things that we love and things that we enjoy. So like, just embrace it and love it and do whatever. What who are who are some of your dream people to see in this? If you got to Dreamcast, who are some people you would just love to see?
1: Hmm. Well, I would love to see Leslie Margarita as literally any of them. Yes, I love Leslie with all of my heart. And I think she I really don't know who she is in the show. Like I think she'd be a solid contender for Winnie because she can vote for days.
0: She could also be a great Sarah. She could be a very fun Sarah. Because so that's Sarah. like with the three of them, it almost doesn't matter what their ages are. Cause it just doesn't totally. matter. It just they're they're young and beautiful. It doesn't matter. So like
1: exactly. Her. And even like with Mary, like she could like totally pull like the comedic chops.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would love
1: to see her as any of them. You know what? Just me. Just hocus pocus a musical, with Leslie Margarita, and just do a one woman show. That's all that I ask. Thank I
0: you. love it. I love it. Or uh, Leslie Kritzer, I think, would also be a great.
1: Oh, Leslie, uh, be so
0: good again. But I would watch Leslie Kritzer do anything. There are phenomenal videos. She was Fanny Bryce in in uh, Funny Girl at Paper Mill, like twelve or thirteen years ago. Oh, and send it me is this. it is the most amazing it's the most amazing performance of Fanny Bryce I've ever seen. Cause Leslie Kritzer just is, she is that type. Um, I think it'd be, I think it'd be so good. Also, I think Bonnie Milligan would be a great Sarah as well. Uh, or Mary. Like if you flip again, I like that idea of like, Sarah doesn't have to be skinny and blonde. Uh, because it was mm-hmm. that idea, because Bonnie in Head Over Heels, her, her character was the, like, attractive sister. And her thin sister was the homely one, which I, I just love flipping that on their head. Um, you know, or, you know, having... there's so many... Um, Alexandra Billings, who's an amazing trans actress, oh, great singer, would be an amazing... She'd be an amazing Winifred. She'd be amazing as Winifred. <laughs> and that
1: happened right now. I want to see her do... Oh, my goodness.
0: Actually, I had, I, I've got I've got a couple ideas then. So doing um now this is the thing. I'm not saying that we should cast trans actresses as villains because I also don't necessarily see the sisters as villains. They're just doing their thing. This is just exactly. their exactly so having um Alexander Billings as Winifred, having MJ Rodriguez from Pose as what? Sarah. What? Oh,
1: MJ- <laughs> Oh my God! They if MJ's in the show, they better give her like all of the runs, all of the vocals,
0: and then someone like Monet Exchange or Monique Hart as Mary, I think, would be so good. Oh
1: my, I'm just picturing Monique, oh, with all her little isms. That mm-hmm. would, that would make my heart.
0: She's, she's the, or, or Mona or, um, MJ is, uh, Mary and, and, uh, Monique is Sarah and she's just the over it sister. She's never paying attention. She's the, the what? What? Who? What? What? The boys. We have the boys. I just, I think that'd be so, again, I, I'm not saying, uh, I don't like casting trans people as villains, I just think that these three women it is an amazing opportunity to get some like really incredible otherworldly actors into this actors into this this thing so I think I just think that would be fun also yes. we need more trans rep- we need trans representation in musical theater it does not yes, happen yes, enough it yes, 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 does yes, yes, not do. happen enough uh great well i i okay so our last thing I yeah. think this like when we're talking about it as like not is it woke, but like is it problematic? I don't actually, other than like Max being a '90s boy, um, I don't think this movie's got anything that's super problematic, other than like they the men being gross with Sarah. I think that's gross, but it's yeah, also like a yeah, commentary that men are gross. where it is
1: problematic, but other than that, there's nothing like. Yeah, super like that, like sticks out. It's mm-hmm. all like very like little and like nuanced, but like mm-hmm. other than that, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think maybe not have Allison be Marie Antoinette for her Halloween costume either. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but though, that line is funny because Danny's like, I could never pull off that costume because I don't have the bazooms, and you're like, the I don't, I don't, what do you call it, Max yabos? And I was like, that is that is a Sophia Petrillo line from Golden Girls if there has ever been one like that it also is just so so dora like, yeah. birch's comic timing is amazing it's just it's, so good.
1: Couldn't it's agree. so good
0: well sid this has been so much fun with you i've had yeah. this has been a ball yeah. so you. give the audience at home a rundown of where they can find you on the interwebs
1: yes interwebs thing so you can find me on the tiktok and the instagram my username is sid the disnerd on both and yeah, those are my socials, so feel Amazing. free to follow me
0: and chat. Yeah. Amazing. Well Sid, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so
1: much for having me. This was a pleasure. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark?
0: Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't screen beans until they listen to the show.
1: Fine. Potential screen beans. You like movies and TV shows, right?
0: I mean who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives.
1: That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs,
0: writers, costumers, musicians,
1: yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers,
0: folks in the film and TV industry,
1: and more.
0: We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network
1: or wherever you get your podcasts fresh and tasty off the presses.
0: What? what? That's... No, that's not... Can I call them
1: Screen Beans now? Fine. Screen Beans!
0: So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole Screen Beans now. She will be mine now. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Again, I can't thank you all enough for sticking with me for a whole year. It has been almost 30 episodes, tons of bonus content, and you all just rock. So now there's the announcement for season two. I've decided it's time to close the door of the Disney Vault behind us and take a deeper dive into the files of nostalgia. Starting January 1st of 2021, Saturday Morning Confidential is your new Nostalgia Deep Dive podcast. We go behind all the properties that you loved and have made artists the artists they are today. We're talking Jim and the Holograms, the Goonies, My Little Pony, Steven Universe. The list goes on. We'll occasionally come back to some Disney but this is going to be an exciting new show with some amazing new guests coming. And along with this, starting the second Friday in January, we are launching a mini series called Beyond the Grid, where Case Aiken, the host of Men of Steel, another past podcast, and Scruffy Nerf Herders, and Kevin Luparello from Lore Party will join me as we take a deep dive into the first nine seasons of the Power Rangers American franchise. But it's not just us. We've already booked some amazing interviews with your favorite Power Rangers, including Catherine Sutherland and Nokia Baris, who played Kat and Tanya uh, for Power Rangers, as well as Power Rangers Zero, Patrick David, and many, many more. So make sure that you tune in. You won't have to do anything. Dole Whip and Dreams is going to transition and become Saturday Morning Confidential. Now, we have these plus some amazing new shows coming for you in 2021. So make sure you check out our Patreon at Dole Up in Dreams, where two or five dollars can get you on board to be a producer with us. And any new patrons we get, as well as our existing patrons, will get a wonderful Dole Up Dreams prize pack. That's right. You're going to have a great trading pen and keychains. And I have a ton of stuff that I would love to that I would love to give you all. So make sure to check us out on Patreon at Dolphin Dreams Podcast. Also, join us every weekday this November for Inklings, which is a new fictional short story podcast that I have produced with everyone over at Isolation Cast, which is just me, and under our new media head, which is Dreamer Productions. But don't worry, we're not leaving you between now and then with no dope and dreams. We have three fantastic episodes coming to you that were already cut and ready for release for season two, where I'll be bringing back the gay-ass rock about Beauty and the Beast. I'll be having Cineguy Steve right here from Certain POV to discuss The Incredibles, as well as the amazing actor and party member from Encounter Party, David Huen, to discuss Mulan 2020, which will take us all the way up through Christmas. Thank you again. Now may your days be filled with dull whip and dreams. CPOV CertainPOV.com